Um, dude, how are you doing? Well, What's up? Uh, it's fall. It's my favorite time of year. So there's a natural feeling, pep in my step kind of thing. I love, I love it. Um, I think I'm doing pretty damn good with the band. I just got married three months ago. I didn't even know you actually got married. Yeah, we were scheduled to get married back in 2020 of September, fall, fall wedding. Um, but of course, when the pandemic hit, we postponed um, and we ended up getting married this last July uh 2022 so been married for three months to the day how's it going yeah it's great yeah um i miss her you know i've been with uh um the band for four days on the road so uh you know it's not a lot of time but i still miss her and yeah we're doing great um we got two cats i don't know do you want to know our cats names (laughs) if you feel like that's part of your life i want you to share it with me Okay, I think it's really important that I share with you. The the names of our cats are Cowboy yeah. and Peppers. Okay. Yeah, uh, Peppers because uh, like Sergeant Peppers. Okay. Uh, he has a cousin. Uh, my uh, my mother in law's cat is uh, General Rodniquez. <laughs> okay, that one's a little more colorful. So we, yeah, so we thought it was important to give a, a General Rodniquez. Um, like another kind of like army military cousin. Sure. So Sergeant Peppers and then Cowboy because I'm from Dallas and uh, Dallas right. Cowboys. So, yeah. Are you still a Cowboys fan? Do you like pay attention yes. to the sport and stuff like that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think I'm I think I'm missing a game right now or, or possibly I'll miss one later. I don't know. Uh, I actually don't know who they're playing today. I think they're in LA, so they're probably playing the Rams. Ugh, gross. Ooh. On your side of town. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got more Dallas in my life today than I normally do. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um don't dude, I miss you so much. I feel like I haven't talked to you in a in a billion years. I, I don't know even I think I, we were just talking about how you recorded an episode of this show with me back when I was like buying microphones and figuring out how to make a podcast back in 2014 when podcasts were like a brand new thing and no one was doing them and certainly not listening to them. I can attest to that. Mm. And, uh, it was like serial and this American life. That's like what people were doing. And, uh, you were one of the early folks that I was like, I feel like it won't be a waste of a booking to like get you in the room and talk to you because we're friends and we were going to talk anyway. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, even if we record a whole episode and I never put it out, which I didn't, I might now we'll see, I'll send it to you so you can decide if it's something you want out there. Um, but I, I never put it out just because I was still figuring out audio quality and stuff like that. But I can't, I can't think of a decent length conversation we've had since then. It's been at least probably about eight years, I think, since we really caught up. Yeah. Uh, therein lies the beauty of collaborating. Yeah. No, I was talking to um, Joshua Morgan about this the other day. I was saying like, it over the when I first started doing this show, I wanted to do it because I was working at Comedy Central and I was a production office assistant, basically. And 
I felt like even though we were making these really big high profile stuff and we had big Hollywood actors in our stuff, I didn't really feel like I was making it. I felt like I was shuffling paperwork for things to be made, which is great and cool. And it was a good job, but I needed to make my own shit. I was fresh out of college and I was like always making my own stuff, you know? And so doing this was great. And I accidentally, because at that time I felt like coming out of school, what was missing from my life working at Viacom was making my own stuff and collaborating with people in a more direct way and talking about all this stuff. And that was my favorite part about school was talking about the shit that we were doing, maybe even more than making it. Mm -hmm. I feel like I learned the most from that. And I was just talking to Joshua the other day about how I've taken big breaks from doing this show but I'm so glad every time I come back to it, it's kind of like when you go back to the gym after a while and you're like, fuck, I should have been doing this because mm -hmm. you're like, it, it just feels so good. Like nothing inspires me like talking to people from school, dude. Like, and I've moved on to so many different things and TV shows and I've done plays and, and you're doing music and there's so there, we've all moved on to so many other things. And I'm jealous of the people who are still making shit with people from school. Like you are with Joshua. Yeah. And getting to like, keep that, those conversations keep happening. I've got to do this show to have those conversations. There's no other right. outlet for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to be able to catch up with you, man. Likewise. Um, that's so well put. Uh, you, you make me think about like, the first question you asked me is how are you doing? Right. That's like a loaded question. Yeah. Uh, because and and there's this lesson that I, I don't know if I learned in college or just along the way, but it was thinking about success in terms of horizontal and vertical. Right. And so as I was getting ready to jump on this show with you, do this podcast, I was thinking about that because I knew you were going to ask, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I would say because I'm collaborating with somebody that somebody that I've known for so long, um, when I think about success horizontally, I think I'm very lucky. And this is coming from um, doing a show last night uh, with another band that we're on tour with. And I'm not going to mention their name right now because what I'm going to say next is that they might not be sticking together. They might be breaking up. Copy and, that. Um, and, and that really sucks. And, you know, a couple of them, one of the fellows was talking to us and said, you know, I love the energy that you guys have. And we're not a perfect band. You know, we have our ups and downs for sure and our disagreements. But I think sticking together and continuing to write and collaborate and, and have that bond and trust from, you know, that's almost almost 20 years um, of friendship uh, and then eight years of being in a band. I think that that's very lucky. I think that's very fortunate. And I would say that how am I doing in that regard? Very well. But we have some fucking ladders to climb and achievements that we want to accomplish. And so on a vertical scale, sometimes it just feels like we're not there yet. You know, and like, how are, how are we doing there? Well, a long way to go. Not so great. You know? But, yeah. Uh, I hear that a hundred percent. I, man, I love that idea of horizontal and vertical. I don't think about it that way very often, or maybe I do and I just don't put it in those terms, but I definitely am constantly, you know, my wife, my wife, I got married. Um, yeah. Thank you. Um, almost a year now in November. Um, since the elopement, 
Seriously? Gosh, yeah. man, yours was like two weeks ago. <laughs> well, okay, so we did, and uh, I try not to tell this story a billion times, um, but I can't help but, you know, right. you haven't seen the episodes I already made. Um, the We eloped to Las Vegas in secret and didn't tell anybody in November of 2021. And we had already been engaged. It was public that we were engaged. And everybody knew that our wedding was coming in April of 2022. And we were just like, first of all, impatient. Second of all, um, we were getting married in Colorado where neither of us live, like as a destination wedding. And we were like, we don't want to have to get a license in Colorado and then be legally married in a state that we maybe might move to one day, but are not in a hurry to be there. She's from California. I'm from Texas. And we were like, let's just go, let's, we're going to go to Vegas anyway for Thanksgiving, longer story, a tradition in her family. And they didn't go. So we went by ourselves and I was like, let's just do the fucking fun Vegas. We're doing it. Uh, you know, I've, I've watched that on TV since I was a kid. It just sounds fucking fun. I was like, and we'll go get married and no one will know. And then it'll be a fun surprise to everybody in April of like, you're at the official ceremony. This is our wedding, but we happen to be already legally married. Um, we got married at the Paris hotel with like a witness we paid, like nobody, zero people in our lives knew about it. Um, which is also just part of my personality. I'm like a weirdly private extrovert. Uh, I'm like, Hey, and then when I'm not, when I'm not ready for that, I'm like, you don't fucking get to know anything. Um, so it was perfect for us. And then we had our official, like, you know, the thing everyone saw pictures from, uh, in April. So it was closer. It was more recent, but it, it complicated things with anniversaries. Now we have like four of them. Same. Do you do monthly anniversaries by any chance? No. Oh yeah, we do. I, I respect anybody who can keep up with it. Who's like, um, the same thing with people who have kids and they're like, our kids, two months, our kids, three months, our kids, four months. And I'm like, this bitch is getting one party a year mm-hmm. and otherwise go to school. Like I'm not, you know, or whatever you're, what, no, even if you're an infant, go to school, start learning now. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. A hundred percent. You've been with Hannah for a long time. Yeah. I think also about seven or eight years. I think the band was together maybe about a year. So, you know, I measure everything on the band. No, that's not true. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, was going to say. For seven years. <laughs> yeah. We've been together you- for seven years. So. We, uh, I, my brain is all over the place because it's been so long since we talked. There's like nine things I want to talk to you about. Um, yeah. Let me start with this because um, it's been on my mind and I'm so curious about it. Um, I think we probably talked about it on the first podcast we did, but I don't listen to the whole thing yet. And mm-hmm. I want to, I want to talk about this because it has come up as I've told my wife, like, oh, who are you talking to on Sunday? I'm like, well, my friend, Andrew. Yeah, that's my name. Yeah, but my, friends, my my close college friends call me Ace. That's what I was going to get to. How many people in your life are still calling you Ace Jernigan, and how many how many Andrews are you getting? Has it been a shift, or is it still kind of mixed? Uh, you know, uh, I think that I, I don't have a number of how many people call me Ace, but I would say that I still respond to it on a regular basis. Got you. Like Joshua's calling you that on tour. Ace. Even Jesse, who knew me as in high school. As Andrew calls me Ace. It's a fucking dope name. You know what I regret? Not taking Hannah Emerson's last name. Because my middle name is Courtney. So Andrew Courtney Jernigan. But if I had taken her 
last name, Andrew Courtney Emerson, Ace would have been fully formed. So Holy shit. Yeah. That's right. awesome. I did not think yeah. about that. That's awesome. Yeah. That's uh yeah. can I ask you though to tell me that I already know the story, but I want everyone to hear this. Yeah. I love that you I love the nickname Ace. Definitely in college, uh yeah. it came up and and you know, a lot of that was because you had so many Drews and Andrews in your class that was super helpful to be okay. like, no, Ace is not one of the Andrews, yeah. though he is. Right. Um but one of my favorite stories that surrounds the ace name is when you very briefly worked at IHOP. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, you, so there yeah. Was, can you tell uh, that story about how that yeah, didn't yeah, work yeah, out yeah. for you? You're like, I should have been fucking Andrew as a waiter a hundred percent. Yeah. So, uh, they, they give you little name tags, right? Yeah. And, and so mine, mine said ace, but, uh, anyway, so, um, there was this guy, Eric, who worked there and he was from the South dude. And he comes up and he goes, Hey man, my name's Eric. What's your name? I go, Eric. He goes, yeah, Eric. I was like, Oh, Eric, gotcha. He's like, well, my, my name's Ace. He's like, Ace. Cool. I'm gonna call you spades. And I was like, you can't nick a nickname, man. <laughs> I already got a nickname. It's Ace. You can't call me spades. Shit. But he called me spades for the rest of the summer. Was that the story you, you wanted to hear? No, I'm going to set it up. (laughs) Get that water, baby. Um, So, no, the story that you, what you told me at the time was um, that I I asked you, because you didn't work there for very long. This was like a quick, I mean, you met two months, maybe? Yeah, summer. Yeah, Yeah, it was a summer job. We're living in Winston-Salem. There's that IHOP that's right down the street from the school on fucking Silas Creek, Peter's Creek, that corner. And Brandon and I had worked there a lot. Robotty worked there. A bunch of people were like, would get quick summer jobs or holiday jobs working there. Brandon and I put in like years working there. And at one point, you know, it was summer, you needed a job. You know, we got you hooked up at IHOP and it was the morning shift which I worked in the evenings almost exclusively. um, And which Man, dinner time at IHOP, that's a fucking chill ass job. You can be just blasted. You don't have to be on your game. It's very chill. As you can imagine, mornings at IHOP are fucking insane. Like it is, it is turn and burn. Like, and that IHOP is hopping. It is like always going on the on the the morning shift, especially on the weekends. And I remember talking to you about you specifically told me, you said, I should have just put Andrew on my name tag. It was a huge mistake because mm-hmm. it was a new job. You hadn't waited a lot of tables, you know, it wasn't, especially at that restaurant, you were new and figuring out where everything is and figuring out how to do it. And it's going really, really fucking fast. And you were like, would you walk up to a table and they don't know who you are yet? And your name tag says ACE. There is an expectation set. Of like, oh wow, we got the t- we got the top guy. We got like their best server, and I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what that comes with. I'm sorry. <laughs> like there was a lot of just like, and then you get to the end, and they're like, should we tip Ace really well? I don't know. It would have just been better because Andrew would have had less expected of him. I think. Yeah, for sure. Hilarious. Yeah, I got called the little devil once. At that place, like by the, an old man, he just pointed at me and goes, You little devil. Because I didn't sit him in a booth. He was fucking old. <laughs> and then I sat a bunch of kids in a booth. 
<laughs> and he was like, why can't I sit there? And uh, it, was, it was miserable. It really wasn't my fault. It was the host. It was a whole host situation. I, I really don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> my goal was, and I have a list here of what I think are your worst memories. I'd like to go through them one by one. Wow. Um, whatever makes you the most uncomfortable. Um, okay. Yeah, I have a list of uh, just things I remember bringing you discomfort. I want to go through those. Um, <laughs> so talk to me. No, talk to me then about, um, you know, the last time that we really got into it, it was like eight years ago and the, the night spins weren't a thing. Night spins? No, the, right? Correct. It's cooler. It is cool. Facebook? Yeah, no, network. I didn't remember when. Uh, oh, uh, at one point. Oh, the movie, the, the Social Network. On, yeah, the movie, the Social Network. At one point, who was it? It's Justin Timberlake. He's like walking out of the cafeteria, talking to uh, whatever Eisenberg and um, or Zuckerberg, but whatever. Anyway, he he walks out. And he's like, oh, by the way, because it used to be called the Facebook.com. He goes, oh, by the way, drop the the. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it's good. Yeah, it's, I think the same thing all the time with the Foo Fighters, which are not right. the Foo Fighters. They're Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters. Right. Yeah. But it is almost like when your name is like not what people are expecting, you're almost inviting people to make it less cool all the time because so mm -hmm. many people are going to say the night spins. But yeah. you guys weren't always night spins. No, we were not. You had another name first that I liked a lot. Oh, I loved the name. I loved it. It's it, dear to my heart. Who came up with? <laughs> yeah, who came up with the boobies? The boobies. Uh, we all did. We so first me Jess, uh, Jesse wasn't in the band. It was me, Monk, and Josh. And I think they really liked the name, the Good Foot. The Good Foot was like a name they really liked. They're like, let's call our band The Good Foot. But I guess somehow it was taken. You know, there's like some register online you can go and you can just see a bunch of band names. And The Good Foot was taken. And so they kind of went off that theme and came across the idea of the blue footed boobies, the Galactic right, like the bird. Birds. Yeah. The bird. And so they're like, well, what if we just called ourselves the boobies, you know, after the bird, after the kind of like the dumb, you know, just like I'm a piece of boob, you know, kind of. Yeah. On it. And nobody had taken that name. Shocking. And they were like, shocking. And so we we became the boobies uh, pretty much instantly as soon as we did. And, and then our boobie, we had like the boobies mascot and, um, you know, just a little booby bird on all our flyers and stuff. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And, and, but it was kind of awkward to tell people in the business what your name was and, you know, try to be taken seriously at that time and say, you know, we're the boobies. Um, and I think once Donald Trump became president, I think that the, the tone of kind of misogyny was starting to take over and the Me Too movement was becoming really, uh, pronounced and so we just felt like especially grabbing by the pussy like all that stuff kind of started making us feel like we're just four guys in a band called the boobies with no girls and it's time to grow up and you know embrace what our culture was at that point what i mean is our culture is like night spins like we were out every night in new york city and and it's a fast lifestyle and we played 
rock and roll music. And so Night Spins became our chosen name. I love that. I, I had to drop out of a band called the Pussy Grabbers because of no. that. Shit. Oh my God. You were in a band called the Pussy Grabbers? No, no of course not. not being serious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we like to, we like to. to I just feel like we like, and like you, it wasn't what everybody thought. You know, we were like adopting a lot of cats and we were like, we're saving their lives. And then people started taking it in like the totally wrong way. And I was like, man, you know, what, a, a guy gets caught on a hot mic and you have to abandon your entire creative process. But so I relate, I relate to I you. you. Yeah. Um, what can I, I want to tell you a really quick story and I, there's no way you remember this one either. I, I'm, I doubt it. Cause it was one of those things that was significant for me. And this is when I found out you were a drummer. So we're at school together and you and I met in a really interesting way for definitely for my life story. And I remember hearing you describe how we met to me and me being like, I can't believe we're friends. I showed up at the end of your second year as one of your classmates, home friends, but I showed up at the very end of the second year and you really didn't meet me until the summer. And it was one of those Winston summers where like most people have gone away, but some people have decided to like rent a house and stay in town and get drunk and maybe get a job. And that was pretty much what we did. And I showed up and because I was so fucking excited to be there. And because I had been watching Brandon on what was kind of Facebook, but mostly him coming home and telling these stories, it was like a, it was like getting dropped into a TV show in season three. I already watched all the episodes. I already know the characters. I know, I know where everyone's from. I know their relationship histories. I've, I've been watching this show for two years and now I'm going to get to be on it. That's how like, what it felt like, but no one told anybody I had watched the show. <laughs> and so I just showed up and knew everybody. I knew who everybody was and all it took was a quick, like, Oh, that's ACE. And that's Mackenzie. And that's Jared. And that's who these people are. I'm like, Oh, all right. Face to name. I'm caught up. And I have had a bad habit of that my whole life where I show up somewhere. I've been, I moved a lot as a kid. And so when I show up somewhere new, my like coping mechanism is to act like I already belong. I don't, and I don't do it on purpose. It's just a thing. I'm just like, yeah, I'm here like you are. And everyone's a little bit like, slow down. We don't know you and you don't get to just be here now. And I, especially my early twenties, I didn't fucking know any different. So I'm like, or 20, I say early twenties, 20 years old. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm now I'm here and I'm with you. And everyone's like, who, who the fuck is this guy? And he's going to be in drama. I'm like, no, I'm going to be in DMP. And they're like, what? (laughs) That is not how this works. But then over the summer, it kind of worked out that way. And I was like, faked it till I made it became friends with you guys, uh, a bunch of people in the drama school. And of course ended up in drama myself. But the, the memory that I have is at the end of, I think that's yeah. At the end of that school year, I very quickly, uh, made friends with Wayne Bennett, who was in your class, who is a tremendous drummer and had one of my favorite drum sets. And he was like, we made friends really quickly. We talked about drumming being, uh, I grew up playing the drums since I was like 10 and he was like, 
hey, will you watch my kit for me? I'm not going to stay here for the summer. And will you keep the kit at Brandon's house, which is where I was living, and just kind of watch over it? And I was like, yeah, do you mind if I set it up and practice over the summer on it? Like, is that okay? And he was like, oh, yeah, man, of course. He was like, you're going to take care of it. Don't, don't worry about it. Just, it's fine. So I set it up in the basement and I was practicing and stuff. And my problem with drumming is that I started young, but I didn't keep up with it. I would take huge breaks from playing and then I would come back and be rusty and have to get back into it. And, but I was so psyched because when I first met all you guys, I was like so intimidated. Everybody's so fucking beautiful and talented and everybody knows how to do multiple things. I'd already knew that you like played piano and Ryan, I live with like Ryan Rowitz, who's so talented outside of acting, but I'm like, but I'm the drummer and Wayne is gone. Mm. So like now I'm going to have a thing that people like, okay, Rob, like, welcome to the talent party. And you came over one day and I was so excited to kind of be like, hey, Ace, look what I, I also have a skill set. And then you were like, oh, cool. I didn't know Wayne's kit was here. You mind if I fuck around? And I was like, <laughs> sure, actor. <laughs> and you get on the fucking drums and start like shredding this kit up. And I was like, <laughs> like, I have one thing. And Wayne is gone. What the Whatever, fuck are you doing? You came in strong. Your your <laughs> your uh, personality preceded you in that way too. And the fact that you knew everything about us was one of the most interesting developments in our class uh, over those four years. You you just fit in like a puzzle that. It could actually like, you know, connect to like 16 different pieces that no one ordered. That, yeah. It was really cool. I mean, I think that's a massive talent. And if you still do that, I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Research, not even research for like <laughs> research's sake, because you really just enjoyed, I, I'm sure the stories were entertaining and brands a good storyteller. So yeah, I mean, that was really well, cool. And yeah. it was a weird dynamic because Brandon was still trying to fit in with his own class. He wasn't someone who immediately, and this is his words, not mine, didn't immediately click with everybody and was kind of insecure at first about, wow, everyone's so talented. I mean, typical NCSA story. Oh, shit. I thought I was great. Everyone's great. And he was having trouble like being where he was. It, it was coming off like the second year Shakespeare where he didn't get the part he wanted. And so it was all kind of, and then he left and went to Europe. So he spent the whole summer gone. And I was just left in town with all his friends. And he got back and he was like, you're closer now with some of my classmates than I was after two years of going to class with them. Wow. And and yeah, so it, it was an interesting dynamic. And when you guys graduated in 2010 and then I was still there and had to join a different drama class, I, I'm very loud about the fact that I never clicked as well with my own class as I did with you guys. Like yeah. you, it very much felt like you and, and Jared and, and Drew and, and even the girls, it's just like, you guys were my people. And then I was left with these younger kids that I had to kind of assimilate with. And, and it was yeah. It was a lot of lessons learned for sure uh, right. o over the course of that. It was one of the, agreed, one of the more interesting developments that's ever happened in my life too. You know, but I feel like if you, you know, it would suck to like have all your friends leave college 
and then you're with quote unquote underclassmen or something. But I think I always, I was always sort of impressed by the determination that the people who are older in our class, like the amount of determination they had and, and work ethic. I feel like work ethic in college is important. And I didn't know how important it was back then. <laughs> you see, you're so sheepish about that line. Like, what do you mean? I think that I had a great time in college. I think that I made a lot of important friendships. But I do remember Caroline Kava even saying, like, Ace, you have so much potential, but you don't do anything with it. I wasn't Ouch. a very Yeah, I wasn't very studious. I wasn't very mm. like uh you know, that's what's the disciplined. Mm. Like you gotta be disciplined. I mean, if you really want to succeed. They're asking if I'm still interviewing. I'm just going to say yes. It's all good. How much time do you have? Um, I've got, I said till three o'clock. So I got another 20 minutes or unless Okay, you great. Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely, oh man, it's too, so many things I want to talk about, but there's things I want to get to before I, before I lose you. Um, talk to me about music becoming your thing. Like the thing that, because obviously the story I just told, you were killing the drums at 20. It was something you were already good at. Uh, and I, I believe me, as I, as I tell this to people listening to it, it wasn't, music has always been a huge part of your life. I don't even need to hear you say that. I, I've, I watched you play a uh, piano that you wrote during intensive arts. I, I watched you like play the drums and do all this. And you're a great actor. And I always enjoyed watching you perform anything. And so what do you think it was that drew you to doubling down so hard on music as your thing? Because most of the people I talked to on the show from the drama school, man, they're still, they're plugging away at drama being their, their main activity. And it's, it's really not for you. Um, when, when you're young, uh, like real young, like nine years old and you've got that kind of knack for being an entertainer, people are like, you should be an actor. And so I think that I went into, I think that's, I went into acting because I enjoyed entertaining so much. And there was a, there was a turning point pretty quickly when I got to New York and I was auditioning and it was really fucking boring. Um, and it was not entertaining and it was, I was nervous as shit. I'm, I'm you weren't entertaining or the material you were auditioning for? I didn't know what the, I didn't know I, the material I wasn't entertained with. And I'm so sure as shit probably wasn't being as a result. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, fuck this. So I'm just going to make my own shit, you know? And like, we, we, uh, we started, you know, I collaborated with Jared Thompson the most. Um, and that ran into simpletons and, uh, and it really just kind of happened with music. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of, so the simpletons, the clowning troupe that we were in. So it was the three of us and, uh, me, Ian Ontal and Jared Thompson, we were doing such creative work, uh, throughout the city. And it was really fun guerrilla style filming and interaction with, you know, whatever Manhattan had to offer on that specific day. Um, and then editing all that footage into something that was a, you know, a, an interesting piece to look at. Um, and you were really bullshit. doing most of the post-production yeah. and like directing. And so that was very much like 
all three of you collaborating for yeah. sure, but a lot, you're putting in a lot of work on that other than just putting on a nose and running around Union Square. That's right. And, 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 uh, the I, I wouldn't say that I did the most, but I would say that the editing did follow me because I enjoyed it so much. I loved doing it so much, and and uh, you knew how, which is often why you end up editing stuff. And Jared was Jared was like my right hand man ninety percent of the time when we're like we would edit together, um, and we had so much fun. I mean, it was as creative on the editing process as it was like on the ground running around being a bunch of clowns so much fun. Um, and so I got into doing music videos because of like having now kind of gotten into this, uh, editing, uh, sort of path. And I was trying to land this music video job for this guy who I don't remember who he is now. Uh, he was a recommendation and, um, he wanted to do something with, uh, folk circus acts, clown burlesque, that kind of stuff. And, Josh at the time was doing these really well, he was working at the box. So he just knew all like the burlesque performers. He had these, this, these things called the folk circus, like these pop-ups that he would do at bars where he would get maybe 10 acts together and, and put like a band, like package them with a, like a band. And then each song would be a different circus performer, or burlesque act uh, kind of over this overarching narrative really cool nights, really cool shows. So I knew that he had a pocket of performers. So I bought him a cup of coffee at uh, this place called Skytown in Bushwick and, um, and picked his brain about who he knew, kind of got some names and numbers. And he, uh, uh, and then he was like, look, I got to split after this, this afternoon, I got to go get my guitar. I'm going to play with Monkey and we're going to go to this place called sweatshop and, uh, you know, just kind of jam out. And I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. Like, I don't really have anything to do today. I'm going to meet with Vanessa Hernandez and like have a cocktail with her. But uh, I drum if you guys want to, if I can come, can I come drum with you? And Josh said, uh, yeah, we don't have a drummer. So that's cool with me. And so I went and got a cocktail with Vanessa. We had a glass of wine. And then after the, it was literally one of the coolest days of my life. I just remember feeling like, you know, 24, like New York, like is my oyster. And I go and I, meet up with Josh and buy a pack of cigarettes and some beer. And we were like hanging out in this rehearsal studio. Uh, and we just start jamming out. Monk didn't show up, uh, might become a classic for Monk occasionally not to show up to things, but, uh, so it, it was great. So me and Josh just vibed out and, um, and about like three or four weeks later, you know, after a couple more rehearsals and stuff like that, you know, I was like, this is cool. And Josh was like, well, are you serious? Do you want to be in a band? Like Monk too. He was like, you got to be real serious if you want to be in this band, you know, like really commit. So it was a perfect avenue for entertainment. I was entertained, the fucking material. Josh was such a great writer. Monk Killian's a great writer. We became the boobies. I ran into Jesse on the street, knew him from my days in junior high school in Texas. And I was like, hey, you play bass because we were in a band. It's like, you play bass. You want to be in our band? He's like, sure. What's the band called? I go, the boobies. He's like, hmm. <laughs> he was like, man, I just band. got kicked out of the pussy grabbers and I can't do this again. Yeah, right. I can't. <laughs> you know, but he listened to the music and he loved it. And so that was right. Like, and so no, that's, how, that's really how I became uh, now a musician. I love it. And I, and I'm a, I, unequivocally a huge fan of you guys. I mean, I have been since the 
the first name. Um, it's it's music that when it pops up on my phone, because I listen to my phone on like my music on shuffle a lot, just kind of the whole thing and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, I go back and forth between like the mixtape mentality if I have these 20 songs I'm into and I just listen to them. And then yeah. I have those other modes where I'm like, I just just let it go to see what happens. And I've got a big, huge music library in the crate. It'll be like a song from guys and dolls and then pass the salt. It's mm-hmm. like, it just, things just start popping. And I'm every time night spins shows up, I am like, I get excited. It like fundamentally gives me energy. I think part of it is because I love Josh's voice so much. Mm-hmm. Like, and I've been listening to it since like, cigarettes on the porch in Winston-Salem with an acoustic guitar, which man, for people who get out a guitar at a college party, that's usually not great. Yeah. That doesn't always, most people who do it, you're like, we were doing fine, bro. Don't really need that right now. You get crazy lyrics from Josh. They're like, I didn't kill the cat. It died of malnutrition. Right. Yeah. Does it want you and none of the fishing? I buried it on the road. You can find it on your way home. Like, it's so, what the it's, fuck was it's that? It's provocative. That it felt so good to listen to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And not only would Joshua get out his guitar at parties and we would let him, we would be like, dude, we would make requests. We'd be like, play the fucking cat maltrition song. It was <laughs> yeah, so, right. it was such an interesting thing. And it, it was at such a time in my life where, I was comforted by by that crew and by those friends. And when I hear him sing even the new stuff that you guys write, it just takes me back to that shit. And I quit smoking years ago, but I want a cigarette so fucking bad every time I hear your music. And I, it, it brings me such comfort. I, I want to take that into one of the last things that I think we have time to talk about. Um, and thanks again so much for taking time while you're on the fucking road to like do this. Wow. I know we've been trying to do it for like weeks and weeks. Um, this means a lot to me. Speaking of meaning a lot to me and talking about Joshua Brocky and playing weird songs on the guitar, it's all tied together. Um, one time, uh, you and I went to the beach to make a movie with our friend Joe. Hell yeah. And um, beach, week. beach Week, which I recently showed my wife. She was like, What the fuck I is this? Help you. <laughs> I'm so um, bad. <laughs> It has its moments. It is not good overall as a thing to watch end to end. It's like several genres at once. It it was cheaply made because we were a bunch of kids running around in college, but it had Joe Flanders tenacity built into it of we're going to fucking make this thing Mm -hmm. good, bad, whatever. We're making it. It's going, we're going to make it. And we were making something at a time when I feel like a lot of what was being produced outside of School of the Arts by drama and film was weird or sad or artsy in a way that wasn't super engaging. And we were at least trying to make a comedy. We're trying to make something that people would watch and just laugh at and have a good fucking time. Um, Those who know the story, who maybe have listened to Joe Flanders' episode, um, or I think it's probably come up several other times. um, (laughs) Half of our, almost our whole crew and two of our cast members got uh, spent the night in jail. Yeah. And um, we were sitting, we were on the balcony of the hotel and we were playing probably fucking wagon wheel. And it was like me, 
and Lee Wallenhot and Joshua and like these other cast members and crew that weren't on that shoot who didn't get arrested. And someone rips open the glass door and is like, everyone's in jail. And we're like, what the fuck? We spend all night. We're already all messed up because we were done filming. So we're all like drunk trying to get on the phone with like deans of schools and parents and sort this shit out. And it was like a fucking nightmare. And then we all finally give up because we get the resounding thing that kids at that age don't know yet, which is once you've been arrested after closing time, you're in the can, dude. You're not getting out tonight. You don't, no one gets out of jail at one o'clock in the morning. It doesn't happen. Once you're in, you're in for the night. We didn't know that. So we're trying to, what do we do? Fucking wasted trying to get our friends out of jail, man. And like, I had this moment that I'm getting to with you in particular that I am, I think about it on a semi-regular basis. It comes up as a, a memory for me. And it was such a big brother moment where I'm, I like remember this as a, a moment when you impacted the way I think about conflict in a long-term way. And I'm sure you remember this one. So the next day we go to their bond hearing and they, they lead them out pirates of the Caribbean style in fucking chains, all eight of them in like this, like walking line, like they're on a chain gang and they sit them all down and they basically are like, Hey, look, we're kids making a movie and we're sorry. And the judge is like, don't care. Fuck you. Maximum bail. And we're all like, what the fuck? Then we go meet with a lawyer. Mm -hmm. I felt like in the room, we're all like sitting there talking to them and they had let them out. Like we paid the bail. We're all sitting there and the lawyer's basically like, here's how we're going to deal with this. And this is what we do. And the lawyer's going to represent like six of the eight people or something. And he's, he's running them all through it. And I'm in my head thinking that the people who are the defendants in this case are not being vocal enough about what happened. Mm. Like the, the, the lawyer keeps saying stuff that I'm like, no, that's not, that's not true. Like, that's not what the case is. And I have so many questions about like, how this works and what, what are they going to like, I'm so invested because they're my friends and I'm also kind of a nerd for the law. Right. Like I'm very interested in like, wait, wait, wait. So you're saying that blah, blah, blah. I can't stop talking. I like, can't shut up because no one else is saying the things I'm like, Hey, Dylan Conrad, open your mouth and ask this question. No one's doing it. And you took me aside and we're like, so such a good like delegator like you you did it with such delicacy that you were basically like very nicely like rob you got to shut the fuck up man like it doesn't have anything to do with you you did not use those words you were yeah. like i think this is their case and they need to be talking to the lawyer you removed me from the room basically mm -hmm. like can i talk to you real quick and i was like yeah sure and I'm all up in arms about like, this is fucked up and they're not talking and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, right, but you're not in this case. Uh, this doesn't have anything to do with you. Like right. it the, the only reason you're here is because you were adjacent to the situation. You're not, it does not have anything to do with you at all. So you've got to bring your energy down and let them handle their own shit. And hmm. I was upset with you on the instinct because mm -hmm. I felt like I was being silenced in a moment when I was the only one talking when it needed, when talking needed right. to happen. 
but it probably only took me 30 minutes to be like, he's fucking right. Mm. And I think about it all the time because I'm so grateful of these moments that have, for me, said like, be objective here. Step back and assess, is what you're doing in this moment helping the situation for real? Whether you're right or not, it's not about if you're right. It's about, are you helping? And I, man, I learned that lesson that day so hard. And I regularly preach that to people who are all up in arms, making a fuss, creating more problems, even though they're right. Hmm. I'm like, you're not wrong about this, but is what you're doing right now helping it get better? And I look back on that and I am so thankful for it, but I'm also so like, honestly, like impressed of the maturity that you had in that moment at like fucking 22 or whatever to recognize objectively what was going on and then to handle it so well, not to like ruin our friendship or create a fight or a a conflict between us and kind of mediate that moment so well. I, I tell you, man, I do. I think about it fairly often and I'm like, would Ace calm me down right now and tell me to chill the fuck out and like, just, just, just wait, just wait. Does this have anything to do with you? Just wide, man. What would Ace do? (laughs) No, I don't know, man. I, I, I kind of remember that, that, that moment, but, uh, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice story with a, with a clear anecdote. Uh, so I'm, I, you know, good to think about that still. I, have disagreements with people every single day. And I always wonder if I'm, you know, helping or getting to a better conclusion on something. But do you find that you still play that role for people at all? Does that ever happen to you? Or is that like an isolated incident? Cause I always thought of you as like that kind of level headed, even if though you had times when you would blow up or get upset or there would be problems. We're all, we're fucking kids, but like, yeah. Man, it was like you became my like 30-year-old brother in that moment of like, damn, I really need that. And I I wonder often, like, are you still, is that still an element of your dynamic with other people where you're like, hey, let's all take a second here? Yeah. We uh yeah. I mean, yeah, it doesn't always go over as well. Like, you know, <laughs> <people like it. laughs> right. Not everyone takes it as well as I do and compliments right. you eight years later. Yeah. It's, uh, I still, I still do think that I have a, a, a pretty good voice of reason, but I, uh, I'm wrong frequently. And, and I, I, you know, I think it's just, a, I think it's important just to have the, you know, I, I think it's just important to say the hard things. That's it. Like, you know, whether whoever's saying, like, whether it's you kind of saying what everybody needs to be talking about or me saying now it's time to, you've made your point just like let let the wake of your thoughts kind of seep into people's you know brains and into action whatever but uh yeah i i don't know communication is key man and so uh i i still yeah i still voice my my opinions and 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 uh always try to do it in a mediating kind of way uh but are you that voice in the band 
Yeah, but I'm also an asshole. I'm also a major <laughs> asshole in the band, and I can say I can say some pretty mean things. So I, you know, I, I, I just, I mean, yesterday was a really good conversation with the band. Yesterday was such an interesting day, Rob. Um, third show, uh, we played in Woodstock, New York. We, uh, the night before, we had played in Woodstock, New York, and it, I thought it was a kind of crap show. I didn't think it went very well. Uh, I don't even think we're very well prepared. Um, we we thought we were going to have a 30-minute set turned into a 45-minute set, and we didn't have, you know, we weren't prepared for that kind of change-up. Um, and so I didn't think the show went really well. And we had breakfast at a diner the next morning. Uh, when Actually, when when me and, me and Jesse share a room usually. So when we woke up, you know, we kind of talked about how we felt the night went and what we might need to address to the band as a band. And so we went to a diner yesterday morning and it was great food. And then there was this moment where Jesse just goes, so what'd you guys think of the show last night? And it got the conversation rolling. And there were some things that we had to talk about, had to address that were bound to offend people. Um, because you don't ever want to change a person's personality. Mm. Uh, but when you're doing a live show, you are performing a, show you know it's not like there's 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 the songs and then there's in between songs and it's important to just kind of figure out what that arc is on on stage as a band you know from your first song to your last and how to really create a perfect little package that people are going to walk away with being like hell yeah so we had to have some difficult conversations yesterday and um and I wasn't so much impressed with my ability to communicate, though I did well, like without offending anybody. Um, I was also just impressed with the way that everybody else kind of received the information and how that, that conversation didn't feel like two on two or three against one ever. You know, it always just felt like four people, four men talking about like how they want to, to progress as a band. Um, and man, last night show, fucking killer. We were at this bar called the Irish American Athletic Club in Newport, Rhode Island. It's a small place, but the guys there who run it, they love us. We played there about three months ago and they've been putting our songs on repeat. In fact, when we were like there hanging out, like it kind of sucks for the other two bands that we're playing with as well because they make great music. Um, uh, the, the bands are Maine, M-A-N-E. They're from Australia. And then there's another band, The Last Real Circus. And they're local to like Richmond, but fucking workhorses and travel all over the country. Um, and so we play our show. And man, dude, like everything that we had talked about at breakfast was just locking right in. And the crowd was up in our faces and um, and like singing our songs like we didn't know these people did, <laughs> but they're singing carried away. Like they're like, that's our favorite song. My night spins. And, and so they're all, all up in our face and just like dancing. And all of a sudden the fucking cops show up and shut everything down. We finished five songs and the cops shut everything down. And I mean, it feels fucking good to get shut down by the cops. It really does because that's like the essence of rock and roll and it leaves people wanting more. And you just get to be, you got a story now. You're like, well, we're yeah. done. 
There's nothing we can do. We once blew the power out at Arlen's Grocery. We like to say we blew the power out, but we did. I mean, the power went out halfway through our set, and it was another great set, and power goes out. So, like, getting getting shut down can be really fun, but I did feel bad for the band after us because they didn't get to play. But that, These guys weren't headlining it, so... no. <laughs> but we're going back tonight, uh, and this time we're just going to move the set times earlier so that you know we can get everybody in. But boy, what a fun show! And I think it comes. I think that that yeah, I think that comes from the discipline of thoughtful communication and and into into action. You know, um, and I think the last thing I'll say about that is let's see if I can so. I found out somewhere along the line, you know, living in Brooklyn, there's a huge Hasidic Jewish population, mm. very rigid community uh, in terms of, well, they're very disciplined, right? That very much buys their, their beliefs in their book. Um, and they don't do very much celebration, but when they do all the rigidity of their, their lifestyle they let unfold. And so their mm. celebrations become massive and lots of fun and lots of drinking and blah, blah, blah. And I do like that idea of, I do like that idea of uh, like, and I haven't fully form, formulated this thought. So it may kind of just sound like I'm reaching for stars here, but I really like the idea of celebration being something that is 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 like is a special reward not Mm. just not just something that happens every single day every single night every single you know and as a touring band that can be a little hard to do but i think we're finding our discipline and i think that that's going to help us you know really enjoy the moments that are worth that are victories um like last night so i I love that for you man and i love that First of all, congratulations on being in a band of the same people for this long. Because how many fucking bands get started and last, you know, it's kind of like your marriage as well. It's like the relationship going that long. I mean, how many times do we date somebody for six months, a year, two years and go, eh, wasn't a good fit or we tried we did our best and just didn't really go and that's nobody's fault or is or whatever. And bands totally can be the same way. I mean, I've played in less time overall, but I've played in like three different bands and hey, none of us last eight fucking years. Like that's crazy. Like that's, that's an impressive thing. And to not only get to that far down the road with a group of people where you're still collaborating, but you've still got people finding you that are like, fuck, yes, I love this. Like where's more, shut it down. Like, you know, where, where can we get more of this? Don't stop. You know, you've yeah. got to have fans out there at this point who are like, if Night Spins fucking breaks up, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> right. Like, they're fucking great. And I just want them to keep making. I mean, that's how I feel about my favorite bands. And I don't care. I still listen to fucking everything Fallout Boy puts out because I found them when yeah. I was 15. And that guy's voice, like Joshua's voice, I hear it. And I'm like, I feel like I'm breathing different and better because I'm connected to the music. And Anytime, you know, dude, when the white stripes broke up, I was like, the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? 
What do you mean they're done? They're not done. They're not done. And then and then Meg literally hung up the sticks and was like, I'm done forever. Yeah. And it, it was it was a hard transition into like Jack doing his own stuff, which I love now, but it's still ain't the fucking white stripes. And I just yeah. have so much respect for for you and for Josh. And um because I see, especially when I see you guys play visually. Like, I love your music, but when I see you play, like I see something on social media or I see a clip or something like that, I'm like, man, they fucking love this. Mm -hmm. They love this so much. And that same energy that Brocky would bring to playing the guitar on the porch when we've asked him to play that fucking song for the 80th time, he never played it any less. Yeah. He never was like, all right, let me just kind of phone it in and play that thing. He'd put the fucking cigarette in the guitar while he was playing yeah. and fucking like with that, that energy. And I'm so glad that you guys are pursuing work and art that gives you that because I see a lot of people who are, whether they're acting or they're playing music or whatever, it's become, you can just see it's kind of become a chore or it's become what they do. And so they get up yeah. and do it. And every single time I see you guys on those instruments or Josh at the microphone or whatever, I'm like, they're at a hundred. Maybe it's not every show. It's never every show, but man, as an overall objective experience, they are in this because it fills their fucking soul and you can hear it. You can see it. And I fucking love that for you guys. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. I mean it. And tell so, Joshua like, he's got to yeah. get him on the show. Yeah. No, uh, he's got a little bone to pick with you. <laughs> Does he really? <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's like, wait, why are you doing an interview with Rob? He's like, I'm the lead singer. I was like, I don't know, man. Rob and I, we're both from Texas. You know, like that's, that's all. <laughs> that's and why. I love Joshua so much, but I think yeah. we can say pretty unequivocally that I was closer with you at school and we're we were closer friends than i was with brocky but i love him very much and i can't wait to have him on the show yeah i might even just keep i was going to return this microphone to best buy but i think i might just keep it i wouldn't man i wouldn't throw that mic out i i know that one the yeti nana is a fucking great mic for the for the price it's a really good piece i wouldn't i wouldn't toss it out and it's really compatible please tell brocky i love him very much i will not just because you're in a band together, but I talked about him almost as much as I did about you in this interview. So tell him that the love is there and um, I can't wait to catch up with him too. Yeah. And you look amazing. Likewise. Thank you. Dude, we're both yeah. like kind of not aging a lot, which it's oh. going to hit us hard probably in a while. Yeah. But I'll keep up this lifestyle for sure. Let's work it out. Let's yeah. work it out. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, thank you so much again. And um, let's not make it eight years this time. 